Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. It's your club, and this is your show. Nearly a week on from City's loss against Tottenham, and the dust has now settled on the performance. But did that result, as some have suggested, blow the title race wide open? Or is it a minor blip at the end of a brilliant unbeaten run? Don't forget, City's last Premier League defeat was all the way back in October. Welcome to this week's Blue Moon podcast, as we try to work out which of the footballing gods City have upset in the past, so that Spurs can keep doing what they did at the weekend. But if truth be told, City were not good last Saturday, and none of us could really argue that Antonio Conte's side didn't deserve to take the points back to North London. Time to dust ourselves down and get back on the wagon. It's Everton at Goodison next and we all know how historically City have had absolutely no problems there whatsoever. We'll also preview that tie with the help of David Downey from the Blue Room plus get insight into Peterborough ahead of Tuesday's FA Cup tie and we'll hear from the former City player Tommy Booth, the scorer of City's only ever goal at London Road. I'm David Mooney. I'm joined this week by City fans Kieran Murray. Blue. And One Football's Dan Burke. Blue. How are we both doing? Are you both well? Kieran? Signed, yeah, all, all good, yeah. Dan? Yeah, I can't complain. Good, good, that's a, that's a nice place to start, because <laughs> I, I feel like we're going to complain for about half an hour here when uh, when we look back at that Spurs game, because... Are you um, well, David Mooney? I didn't even ask you there. I, I am I am good, I am good, yeah. Um, surviving, no one ever asked him, do they? That's, no, that's, uh, yeah, that's yeah, very it's, rude of us. It's, it's inconsiderate, very, very if anything. I know, I invite mm. you onto, the, onto my show, and then all of a sudden <laughs> what happens is nobody asks ever how I am. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still a bit angry at week, about weekend, actually. So uh, let's, uh, let's dive into all <laughs> yeah. of that. Um, Kieran, the, the gap now is three points, um, but it is level games. So how are the nerves? Uh, not great, to be honest with you, David. Um, I don't like... I think Klopp said the other day, didn't he, that City can't, uh, City can't smell our breath yet, but I think we, uh, we certainly can. <laughs> Um, and it's, it's not it's not a pleasant whiff. I thought you were going to say, and it stinks. <laughs> it does stink, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not that happy about it. Um, I think it puts paid to any kind of theories early on in the season that the league had got boring and that City were well out of sight, and it was just going to be a, um, a sort of dynasty of dominance for City from now on. Um, there was still so much to play for, and with all the um, with all the matches called off because of COVID and stuff and all the games in hand that built up, um, it's, it just looks as if now teams are in a better place to kind of play catch up a city a little bit. And it was a bit of a false flag to look at that big gap in the table when when teams had so many games in hand and they've, they've had a bit of a rest, you know. Yeah. Um, I, 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 no, I don't like it. I'm not that happy. And then Liverpool's massive win uh, in terms of goal difference uh, was it last night against Leeds. Um 
that gives you an icky feeling as well. So yeah, no, it's 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 not pleasant. I wish we could uh, have a little bit more daylight at the moment. Yeah, Dan, have you noticed any uh, contrition from all the people who in December were were losing their heads over the idea that the league table was over and not listening to people like us who were saying, "Well, listen, listen, like there's still a long way to go here, and like there's a game, there's games in hand. You know, things can still change because now that you look at the situation, it's in City's hands still, but it's also in Liverpool's hands because they play each other." Yeah, well, I've I've seen absolutely no contrition whatsoever, which is uh, quite unsurprising, <laughs> I guess, really, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I was assured in December by some of the finest minds in football journalism that the title was over, we had nothing to worry about, and and here I am rattling around like loose change in a washing machine all of a sudden. You know, I'm, I am pretty le- easily rattled, to be fair, and you know, I'm a bit like a an easily spooked horse when it comes to these things. But uh, I, I am starting to worry now that that game against Liverpool in April suddenly, suddenly takes on massive importance, doesn't it? Assuming that the gap is still three points by then, then it's kind of uh, the title is going to be on the line in that game. Um, yeah, I, I, the, the story that I've been kind of telling myself this week is that while it is in both teams' hands, we still do have slightly the upper hand in this in this race. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. We, we, are the, we are the home team when, when we play them. Um, if we win all of our games, then we win the league. You know, it's it's as simple as that, really. So it's a little blip. Um, we They're allowed to have a blip, City, I think. They've had a, they, they went on a great run, and it just shows you how ridiculous those uh, all that talk about the title race being over was because... You know, people have been saying this week the title race is back on. Well, doesn't that suggest it was never over in the first yeah. place? Like people <laughs> yeah. are saying, like, what? Well, it's, it's just it, it was so ridiculous that people were talking in such absolutes about it with with so much of the season left to go. And uh, yeah, it's game on now. And 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 you know, if we do win the title from here, I think it will feel a lot sweeter and a lot more satisfying than it would have done if we just strolled to it and won it by fifteen points. But there is a very real, a real sense of jeopardy now, isn't there? Yeah. The 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 thing is as well. I mean, you mentioned there about if City win all their games, they they can win all their games and draw against Liverpool and win the title. So yeah, true. They, can, they can go into that Liverpool game with slightly more leeway than Liverpool have if if things stay as they do right now. So again, like you say, you'd rather be in City's position than Liverpool's right now. You'd rather be the leader being chased than 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 doing the chasing. Um, Kieran, I'm getting very very kind of 2018-19 vibes about this run in now. Um, it was around this time of the year that Liverpool drew at Goodison to, to leave them needing a result from from someone else against City. Um, Goodison next for City as well. <laughs> <laughs> David, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm very sorry. <laughs> I, um, you know, I you know, you know, don't you? I don't believe in omens. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I do. But um, what I don't want to go through again is uh, 1819 because it was it was horrible. It was vile. <laughs> it was a really, really <laughs> difficult time to be a city fan. Yeah, I mean, but don't the, get me... the, it was the doing of it was not nice, but the having mm. done it was very nice. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> don't get me wrong. At the, uh, it was one of the best days. Um, as a City fan I, that I can ever remember um, because we weren't at the game against Brighton. We were, most of us all together in the pub watching and it was just tremendous. It was really, really good fun. So if, I mean, if you were to tell me now and fast forward that the outcome's going to be the same, I'm all for it. But <laughs> the, the not knowing in the remaining games and how tight the games were and uh, the constant kind of, the constant sort of looking over your shoulder as to what they were doing, and the, the it's just it's squeaky bum time already, and you don't you don't <laughs> you don't really like it, do you? Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't really want to credit them, but in all this, you know, City have dropped what they've had one draw and one defeat, and then as Dan said, you know, it suggests that the title race was never really over. But I mean, I thought we were so 
unbelievable with our run of, of wins since, what, October? Um, like, what have Liverpool been doing? In the meantime, this sort of snuck up on me. Do you know, I didn't really realise how, how in contention they were because I was led to believe we were miles out of it and miles ahead. So... <laughs> Yeah, uh, they've sort of they've sort of been I've been aware of them the whole time, but they've also sort of snuck up on me too. If that makes sense, it, it, it feels like you like like you're in the mood to write a stern letter to someone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. It, yeah. <laughs> do, do, do you remember what people were saying though that uh, oh the, the the problem with this city team is they don't give you a chance. You can't afford to drop any points against them, or you don't mm-hmm. win the league. And it's like we mm-hmm. like you say we've we've drawn one game and lost one game since the end of October, and Liverpool are now breathing down our necks with their yeah. horrible breath. And yeah. it's, it, it's exactly the same for both teams but people don't say that about Liverpool everything Liverpool do is we should be thanking Liverpool for for keeping this title race around what a triumph against adversity it is like no no one's talking about them as if they have some sort of like ridiculous advantage over everyone else do they the funniest thing was watching Liverpool fans and United fans who were so angry about City's dominance in the league this season going back over their old teams to say how <laughs> actually terrible they were when they were like, well, look at this, the brilliant United, uh, brilliant Liverpool team of the 80s, they actually got beat seven times in that season. It's like, all right, wh- why are you like denouncing your own achievements to say how shite you were back then? Like- I-, I find myself doing a bit of that this week, though. Like I, the, the, the Spurs game, I had a weird feeling of like disappointment that we'd lost, but also kind of vindication and saying that we told you we weren't that good like you were saying that we were ridiculously good and no one could no one could beat us and look at we've been beaten like so it's so what you were talking about was complete nonsense the whole time yeah. Yeah. i just i always i always think of that uh, that clip from the simpsons where um uh, Principal Skinner has the meltdown and the, and the microphones on, and, and the entire school hears him. And Bart just Bart just goes, "Cool, I broke his brain." And that's <laughs> that's, that's how that's what City have done to everybody that's at the moment. They, they've done, yeah. broken people's brains. Um, <laughs> Dan, you mentioned the the the, the Spurs game. Uh, we're going to have to talk about it now. We're ten minutes in, and we've we've managed to dodge the issue so far. Um, why did City not get going in that game? Guardiola didn't do anything funky with his with his setup or with his lineup. He didn't do anything any of the overthinking allegations stuff. So, why what happened? I'm going to say straight off the bat, maybe this is just my opinion, but I didn't actually think City played that badly in this game. It was it was frustrating. We came up against a team who who kind of had our number from the first first minute, and, and we'll talk a little bit more in a minute about why that is. But I didn't think City's performance w- was awful. I know a lot of people are, are, are kind of frustrated at the amount of crosses and kind of dinks that were being put into the box. And and yeah, I was getting a bit frustrated by that as well. But then when you sort of look back at the game, both of our goals came from little dinks into the box, and there were times when they were trying to work the ball into the box, you know, play little one twos on the edge of the box or dribbling in like Cancelo had a opportunity in the first half where he, he took it past a couple of players and, and just missed the, the target but for the most part I don't really see how else you get around uh, a team who are going to put men behind the ball like Spurs did and have have good defenders um, behind the ball as well it, it's really hard to break a team down like that and and defensively I didn't think City were great we were we were quite easily broken against but again Spurs have got a, a player like Harry Kane dropping deep, picking passes, playing people through. They've got quality on on both flanks with Son and and Kulusevski. So, I think uh, you know we've seen how Spurs played against Burnley on on uh, in midweek, and and I don't think they've. Uh, really learned any lessons about themselves from the game at City. I think it was just a bit of a freak game where where it was kind of a perfect storm for Spurs. Uh, City were perhaps a little bit unfortunate or, or perhaps they, they got exactly what they deserved. I haven't really decided. But yeah, I, d- I didn't think it was that bad. And I didn't think there was anything tactical that you'd say that you would point to that Guardiola did wrong. It was just It was just not our day. Yeah, there's what well, a friend of mine as, as a Spurs fan uh, said that Harry Redknapp always used to say sometimes just one of those days, and mm. I, I I do wonder if that's the case. But that said, Kieran, um, 
the number of loose passes there were in that game. I, I remember thinking early on, like Guardiola's halftime team talk here is going to be that thing he says where he says keep passing it to people in the same t-shirt because it's like they'd forgotten to do that in, in in spells. The number of times where passes were short or they they were they were overhit or they just 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 to nobody in particular and they were into empty space when nobody was making the run. Uh, the thing that concerned me was that it, it was kind of under no pressure. You, t- you look at teams like Palace and Southampton when there's been when they've come to the Etihad and got results, they've put City under pressure and they've forced those loose passes. I didn't feel like Spurs were doing that. No, no, I can't, I kind of agree, and I kind of agree with what Dan has said in that I didn't think City were terrible uh, collectively, and I didn't think it was one of our worst days at the office in terms of the sum of our parts. I just thought like. In too many individual performances were flawed and too many sort of indiv- individual cock-ups sort of led to a really bad day all round in terms of like our performance. Um, I think Cancelo had one of his worst games that I remember, certainly since yeah. his kind of re- renaissance last season. Um, if you kind of track him when you watch the highlights of the goals, uh, which I would never have done again, only that it was on the show. Um, <laughs> but... He's, you know, he's really at fault. Um, Rodri looked so rusty and it reminded me of, you know, really bad HMS Plodry days. Um, <laughs> and the whole back four were culpable for, for, well, back five if you include Rodri, back six if you include Ederson. It was just individually, I thought we were, we just kept kept messing up all over the pitch. And those loose passes, as you talk about, David, really played into that. Um, but I turned around to Higgy at one, at one point towards the end of the first half, I think, and was like, um, we have these on toast, like possession-wise and what we were doing. And, you know, Gundogan hit the post, didn't they? And then, yeah, there was a um, spell, wasn't there, in the first yeah, half? Yeah. Yeah. So it was just, we were doing... What we were doing under the sort of Guardiola philosophy and what we always do to carve out wins, we were still doing. It's just that Spurs were set up so well. Um, and like I don't think they put us under pressure to play badly, but it's just one of those things when we're the best team in the country and the current champions. You've got a canny manager like Conte. You've got Harry Kane with a point to prove. And you've, our players just having a, having a really bad day individually. It, as Dan said, a perfect storm. I think everything just... And then the footballing gods who just oh, will will not uh, stop giving us mad games against Spurs. It was just <laughs> it was just one of those that conspired to be a, a mad day. Yeah, let's uh, let's look at the the end into the game, Dan, because um, with the the way that the, that Spurs's third goal was disallowed, and then City went on to get a last minute penalty. Did you think it was finally our turn to get some VAR luck against <laughs> Spurs? <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of. Um... I, I was I would have been happy with a draw at that point. Really, obviously, when you when you score the penalty in in stoppage time and there's still a few minutes of stoppage time left, you think, "Come on, let's go and win it." If the game had ended in a draw, I would have said that that was probably fair enough, and uh, and would have taken that. To then lose the game was was really upsetting, wasn't it? From that yeah. point, and, you really shouldn't. And, you get back into it there. You really shouldn't lose, should you? That's yeah. The thing. Well, there's a moment we get the ball back from the kickoff after after Mara's penalty, and the ball goes out to Cancelo on the left, and he just takes his eye off the ball, and it rolls out of play and goes out for a throw in, and that was the moment we lost the game. I think really that was the moment mm-hmm. that Spurs got their got their shape together again. They move forward, then then they don't stop the it's Cancelo again, isn't it? He didn't stop the cross coming in. I yeah. know uh, Cancelo was beaten in the air, was he? I can't I can't. Remember. 
I know Whoever, Walker was Walker beaten. Walker was beaten yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then but Cancelo didn't even put his foot out to stop that cross. He, he, I don't know what was. It looked as if something was playing on his mind. Honestly, he was a million miles away that whole game. Yeah, and then when the cross comes in, you can you can tell that Kane is going to win the header. And yeah. I was just hoping, please don't hit the target, or or please be a header that Edison saves. And but as soon as the ball goes in, you're thinking, bloody hell, they're going to score here, and they did. And yeah, it, it was it was gutting, and, and it's horrible that it keeps happening to us against Spurs. But you know that's uh, that's just our luck, isn't it? Sometimes. Yeah. The the thing is though, Kieran. In in all honesty, I know we talked earlier on about the the, the title race and the fact that City are now only three points ahead of, Spur- of uh, Liverpool, and you know it's it's in both teams' hands, all that sort of stuff. Is there any real difference though between getting zero points for that game and getting one point for that game? I know it keeps City in can, kind of just away from Liverpool, but if if Liverpool win that that game at the Etihad, they're still only a point behind City. The pressure's still on. It's just the same as eighteen nineteen in that case. It's like like it, it doesn't make a massive difference, does it? Well, I mean, if you want to tell yourself that, David, to make yourself feel better, that's all right. <laughs> um, but I think psychologically, getting the draw when we hadn't played t- t- terribly well, um, when we'd been given that VAR shout and got a penalty in stoppage time, um, psychologically to claw that back to snatch, you know, a point from the jaws of defeat. Um, would have been quite nice. Also, I suppose it's such fine margins with us in Liverpool and it looks as if it probably is going to come down to the wire um, because their form doesn't look like it's going to subside at any point soon. Um, I suppose a, a, an extra point on the board would have been nice and, you know, I suppose it leads in a goal difference as well. I suppose it's only one goal, but um, to leave with a goal difference sort of um, equal instead of one behind... Um, that might have been nice. It just would it just would have been nice to have not left with a sucker punch of a what ninety six minute goal or whatever. Um <laughs> scored by the player we were targeting all last summer who hadn't <laughs> scored in four and hadn't scored in nine against us before that. So uh yeah, I would have taken a draw all day long, especially when it looked as if we were three one down at one point two. So um yeah, no, it was um it was just a fucking really difficult day. One that was horrible. <laughs> yeah, we, at least we can laugh about it now. Dan, conceding three at home, uh, I would generally say in in the I'm not going to say the Mansour era because that first kind of the first throws of the Mansour era of City were very much in transition. But in the later days, so Mancini kind of onwards, conceding three mm. at home isn't really normal. Um, it's happened three times this season. Uh, Spurs at the weekend, uh, they they did it against Leicester six three. They won though, and then they did it against Leipzig six three. Then. Um, it's only happened, other than this season, it's only happened once since that Spurs game in the Champions League. And that was the 5-2 against Leicester at the start of last season. And three of them were penalties. So is it a bit concerning that the defence has got a bit leaky? I don't know, really, because we still got the best defensive record in the league, haven't we? Yeah, no, it's so all it's isn't a, it? yeah. a weird, a weird quirk, quirk of the statistics. Away from home, we're still defending really well. I wonder if we just throw a bit of caution to the wind at home sometimes, and that's that's why it happens. I mean, those those three games have all been like really entertaining, dramatic games. Uh, the Leicester one in particular, we were 4-0 up at half-time and, and probably took our foot off the gas a little bit and had Fernandinho in midfield. Uh, you know, I think that always leaves us a little bit more exposed uh, these days than, than uh, when Rodri's playing there. Um, I mean, it could have been it could have been four goals in this Spurs game, and and uh, you know we were quite lucky that that, that VAR 
uh, decision came to our rescue there. I don't think defensively they they played very well at all uh, throughout the game. I mean, Diaz's decision to step up and try and catch Sean offside in the first few minutes and then it, it, that leads to the goal was really poor. And then even I think Cancelo getting nutmeg for that goal was quite poor. And, and Ed, Edison... He's a great goalkeeper in many ways. You know, he, he, he contributes so much to City in terms of his, his footwork and, and to the build-up play. But as a shot stopper, I think he leaves a lot to be desired sometimes. I thought he was pretty weak on that, that Harry Kane disallowed goal. So it's not something that's concerning me a great deal because, like I said, we've conceded 17 goals in this all season in the league, which is the best record in the league. But uh, they're going to have to tighten up a little bit in, in some of these bigger games that are coming up, I think. Yeah. Um, Laporte and Diaz uh, dealing with with Kane and Son, Kieran. Um uh, the thing that makes me nervous is, is that I, I just feel like Liverpool will look at that game and go, um, let's have a go at them. Same, yeah. Uh, any team with the ability to kind of drop deep, um, catch us high up the pitch and then get in behind would, yeah, would strike fear in there. Um, ah, but now, now I think about it, Liverpool, Spurs sat deep all game and Liverpool won't do that, will they? So it'll be a different, it will be a different game. It will yeah. be. And if they do, we'll just play for a draw, like like you say, yeah. so that suits us better. They have to come and win. So yeah. they're not going to do suppose- that, are they? Yeah. Pep is two months to overthink about it, doesn't he? So we're all right. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm overthinking about it already. Listen to this. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, no, I thought Spurs' setup was was perfect. You know, they did they they did it. It was a masterclass on us because um, they they weren't particularly great. Um, nothing that they did apart from apart from how they scored against us. You know, really impressed you. Uh, what did they score? Three out of three out of four attempts was it? And the fourth was that amazing save from Ederson. Um, but I don't know if this is a bit reductive and a bit too basic, but you just wonder how John Stones would have coped. Would he have known Kane a little bit better from the England setup? Um, I'm, you know, I don't know if reports covering himself in glory this season. Um, but some of the some of what they were doing to get out wide and to push us in the channels, and then everybody was following across. Like Sterling was going to Davis. Uh, Walker was going to Sessegnon Rodri was then drifting over wide and Kane was just dropping into those pockets time and time again and I, I read that after the match in the dressing room they just all sat there going how do we deal with that how do we follow Kane do we go with him or do we not and it's just it just seems a bit mad that we got beaten by a tactic that we've deployed for two seasons <laughs> now of, of our four players dropping deep into pockets and trying to create space for others Um yeah it just it was it's just a bad day at the office that we just kind of have to take on the chin and move on with defeats are part of football. Yeah, I do think, um, Dan, the, 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 there's been a little bit of uh, reaction after the game that was um, almost a case of look at what you could have won with Kane, but it wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> that, was it? Like, like if, if the only difference that w- would have made to that game if Kane was playing for City is that he wouldn't have been in the Spurs team to be able to do that against them. It's as simple as that, isn't it? It's, it's that is too reductive, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, just going back to people uh, people talking nonsense on Twitter for a moment, I've seen a few people kind of pivoting from City have got too, mo- too much money, nobody can, can hope to compete with them, their squad is too big, too deep to, oh, they should have they should have paid whatever it took to sign Kane in the summer and they would have won this game and won the league easily. It's like, what, do we spend too much money or not enough money? Like, which one is it? You can't, it can't be both guys. Um, yeah, I mean, he was awesome in this game, wasn't he? In a way that he hasn't been for much of the season. I think he's shown a, a few flashes of brilliance. And, and I've kind of wondered how City would have looked with Kane in the team when you look at the way we've played this season with the, with the kind of false nine. 
would we actually be any better if we had a, a number nine and, and you look at what Kane can do in terms of dropping deep and picking passes and and still getting on the end of chances and finishing chances and you think yeah he would he would have scored a hatful and, and would have improved us I was not very much behind the signing of him in the summer because I thought I think he's too old for the kind of money that Spurs were wanting I think he's too injury prone I never doubted his quality as a player and uh, and I think yeah it, it would have been an amazing signing for us but we're still top of the league having not signed him. So it's not it's not gone too badly, has it? Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel like City will try again this summer, Kieran. But um, if they did, how do you feel? No, I wouldn't like it. I think that ship has sailed. I agree with Dan. I'd never really wanted him. He just didn't feel like... I mean, I know he's an amazing striker and he would get a hat full of goals for us. But, you know, sometimes you just don't have the feeling about a player um, in the in the sort of setup of the city that you imagine. Um, I... Yeah... Um, while while he was wheeling away celebrating the other night, Bob was shouting at him, win a fucking trophy. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, as a trophy repellent, I don't know how well he would have set up. But, yeah, I just really, really, really badly want want Haaland or nobody. Um, yeah. Really, to be honest with you, I would be happy. I'd be unbelievably happy if we signed Haaland. And if not, then continue sort of playing the way we're playing now and maybe give Delap a shout. Yeah, Um yeah, well, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, if Spurs are a bogey team of the now, City are going to a bogey team of the past this weekend. I'm not going to lie, I'm still feeling a bit uneasy about saying that, but it has been nine wins in a row against Everton now and five wins out of six at Goodison Park for Pep Guardiola. Old habits die hard, certainly in my head anyway. Uh, Everton have been having a bit of a turbulent season so far too, so to get a view of what the situation is like in the blue half of Merseyside at the moment, I've been speaking to David Downey from the Blue Room podcast about the differences they're seeing under Frank Lampard. Yeah, it's definitely changed. It's definitely change for the better as well um, I think in essence what happened uh, amongst the fans who, who just got sick and tired of, of what's going on um, at boardroom level at, at owner level certainly with Farhad Machini and what he seems to think he's well he's able to do he, uh, he's able to do whatever he wants he's the owner of the football club and there in stands the, the problem for many people I think he, he's basically treated it like his own train set um, like we've all done with little kids um, and I think he was dangerously close. And I'm talking about the way in which things went with uh, Benitez towards the end of his tenure. That th- this is an Everton club. This is a football club. This is an essential football club in, in many regards to all of us anyway in, in our daily lives, but also a traditional English football club that's been there since day one. Uh, that threatened its its status in the Premier League. Um, and then to go and get Frank Lampard quite a shrewd appointment um, I think when you, you looked at what happened with him at Derby and what he did at Chelsea I thought he was absolutely fine he looked like he looked like he'd done decent jobs um, and then and then to bring him here it's, it, 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 it does sound as a, such a risk and then when he's come in things have quite quickly got a lot better and by that I'm talking almost exclusively about how Goodison is in, 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 to answer your initial question um, a lot of people are now devoted to making this atmosphere much better, making it as, as hostile as possible for away teams when they come and visit us. And you'll have seen that his, his first game against Brentford in the FA Cup to probably our best win of the season against Leeds a couple of weeks ago when we won 3-0. Um, the, the, the one thing that just hasn't changed, though, is the, the sort of philosophy that seems to be so deep within and lied within. Uh, the players that we have uh, away from home because I went to Newcastle recently um, we had Southampton the other day there were two carbon copies of what happened under Benitez so I begin to think well you know there's only so much 
uh, Lampard and Paul Clements we brought in with them can actually do. Um, so, in essence, I think Goodison is getting better. It's it's, it's always a it can be a toxic place, almost on the the, the ticking of a finger. It can be a, a toxic place. You'll know that you'll have been there with, with the city, and and that's happened before. Um, but yeah, essentially, it's, it's getting better, and it feels much better than it did against Benitez as a season ticket holder. I actually look forward to going to a game now. Um, even even with the predicament we're in in the Premier League, it, it feels a lot better to go there rather than trying to get rid of your ticket. <laughs> yeah, um, I, it just re- it reminds me a little bit what you were saying there of uh, of Main Road at times because when City <laughs> were in the nineties, when City um, made their excuses and left the Premier League and then made their excuses and left Division One, um, <laughs> that there was a sense that that the 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 way that Main Road was, it was a very very hostile place, but for the yeah. home players. And like that, just the atmosphere just wasn't conducive to getting a team, you know, at that stage, at that stage for City promoted and promoted again. Um, for Everton, it's like it's. Are you in danger of relegation this season? It's. It sounds deaf to ask that question because I, I I look at the league table and think, well, there's plenty of teams there that surely will finish below Everton this season. But then when you look at the points total, it's it is really close, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think it's a daft question at all. I think that. I think you again. You'll you'll know this more than me. Um, sadly for you, and okay for me, uh, <laughs> how this works and how this stuff ends up happening when you get into that predicament and that, that sort of situation that you're standing there looking at it, thinking, "Oh, we'll be fine. We'll be fine." You know, you, you get a decent win at home, i.e., that one we did against Leeds the other, the other week, and then think, "Yeah, Everton got plenty to stay up." But then I look at the table, I look at the fixtures, I look at how many games. Burnley, for instance, have got in hand because he missed so many due to the COVID situations. Um, I look, you know, we, we've, we've still got to go to Watford. Um, you know, we, we've still got to play everybody below us. Newcastle have got to come to Goodison as well. Um, there's a lot up in the air for, for Everton. And, and there's, I think one of the worst things somebody can tell you is you're too good to go down. I think there are many clubs, yourselves included, who will have been told that in, in years gone by that have that have paid the price of feeling that everything's going to be okay. Um, look, we're one of them. We've been in that situation before where we've had to, you know, pick up a few points towards the end of the season and, and maybe those last day nightmares, last day of the season nightmares against, you know, when, when we were up against it with Bolton, when we were up against it, of course, with the famous Wimbledon one in 94. Um, the, 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 there are some of us who aren't, you know, young enough to not remember this so um, <laughs> Everton can absolutely go down Dave Everton can absolutely go down um, but I do think and I do feel and I don't think I'm being too naive to say this I think at home um, which I mean it's probably a step too far to say you'll see against against City because you, you, you guys are a different level as, as you know um, I'd be I'd be surprised if, if Everton get anything against City this weekend but um, other than that, I think the games we've got at home, I think we'll have enough to stay up. I think I think if you look at the table this season as well, I think probably 35, 36 at a push will be enough to get you 17th and, and higher. Um, there's no way nowhere near going to go to the old 40-point 40, 40 uh, thing that we always used to talk about. Yeah. Um, I mean, you mentioned the game this weekend. Uh, um, we've, we've barely talked about that so far. And it's, it, it's interesting, I think, that... Uh, the, the number of times that City have come to Goodison Park uh, and the Everton fans have been going, well, actually, if City win, it's not the end of the world because Liverpool are, uh, are, are near the top of the table. I remember that in that, that was in 2014. There was one of them in 2018. Have we got another one of those this weekend? Uh, for some, we have, and I don't know why, um, because 
if we're sitting in the middle of the table and we're looking at the Premier League at the top and thinking, oh no, Liverpool are on one again. Um, we just want City to get it done nice and early. We can all enjoy spring and summer and then go <laughs> over in Merol next season. Um, this feels very different. This feels like they're actually on the charge, properly on the charge this time. You guys have got to play them at home. Um, and then, look, like I've just said to you, Everton aren't good enough to not get relegated. There's every chance that Everton get relegated this season. Um if there are Evertonians listening to this, I don't want to think that I'm saying any sort of, you know, doom under and stuff or anything like that. Um, but I, I look at the situation and I think, well, Everton desperately still need enough points to stay in this division. That is a fact. Um, and, and, you know, this this weekend, there'll still be many Evertonians that if you're going along there, you'll see, you'll be happy when Manchester City come away with three points. Um, simply because, you know, the, the worst nightmare you can imagine is already written for many Liverpool win the league, Everton get relegated. They would absolutely love that. There are some of our fans who would, who would not even care about Everton as long as Liverpool did not win the league. Believe me, there are people who are like that. So um, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go as far as saying I guarantee you the fact that there won't be any Evertonian there saying that they'd be happy to lose. But um, there will be. There'll be people who'd happily see City win this. I've, I've spoke to many of them on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, well, let, let me tell you, 1996 City relegated from the Premier League. United won the title. It's not, uh, it, it's not the nicest place. Let me uh, let me put it that way. Um, in yeah. terms of in terms of this game, um, we saw City against Spurs. City struggled against Spurs. Let's be honest there. Um, if Everton are going to get a result in this game, who's going to do it? Yeah, I mean, I think that the midfield areas have been a massive concern. Um, you know, people would say all, all over the, all over the eleven's been a massive concern, apart from probably Jordan Pickford. Um, I think there's every chance that Ben Godfrey comes back in as well at the back. Um, we've still got massive issues with with uh, Mason Holgate at, at the back. Um, Yerry Mina again is out with his traditional injury, and Michael Keane's in there. Look, we, we we've got to sit deep. We have to have to sit deep. Otherwise, pace wise, you will absolutely destroy us. Midfields where the issue's been, uh, particularly away from home, but at Goodison, it's actually looked okay. Uh, Van der Beek who come in, who obviously none of your guys are going to like for for him being any good for us, but he he looked the real deal when he comes to Goodison um, and and made his debut there. He looked really good, and he was able to get a tick out of Alan who's essentially probably our most important centre midfielder, not because he's the best, but because he's in the most important position at, at defensive midfield. Um, you know, when, when you've got the likes of Rodri coming up against him, when you've got the likes of, of the, the wide areas you guys have got, that has to come to the fore for us. I think uh, Alan's what, 32, nearly 33 now, coming towards the sort of end of his career. He's been really good, but then, He'll simultaneously be absolutely dreadful. And if you look at Lampard's game so far, that's all it's been. It's been, he's absolutely fine. He's been really good. Sometimes man of the match at home at Goodison, but away from home. The, the lads not look like he's a professional footballer. Um, but that position is crucial. Decore, I don't think he's going to make it against City. I think he's probably back for the game the following week. But he, he's going to be massive for us. He's going to be essential. He's been a really good signing. And he's able to play in, in a load of different positions in the midfield area. Andre Gomez as well. Um, some, somebody else who just absolutely stunk the place out at St. Mary's at the weekend. That midfield place needs needs to work. It needs to be something bigger and better than what it's been. Um, in terms of attacking, I mean, Richarlison barely got a kick against Southampton. 
at Goodison, I would expect that he get, might well get a couple of chances. But for us to get a result, and by a result, I mean a point, because I don't think we can win it. Um, it's going to be that midfield area that we have to absolutely meet meet City at least for 70, 70 minutes of the game, let alone 90. Um, it, it's going to be a real sort of proper dogs of war stuff. You'll remember when Joe Royal, former loved at your place, um, yeah, used to say yeah. dogs of war. That's the type of thing that I feel it needs to be against City for us to get anything from the match. Yeah. Um, before we finish, David, let's have a, a prediction for the charity bet. So uh, what score are you going for? Uh, oh, I think I think City three. I think we'll get one three one Man City. You see stats pop up all the time about clubs and players, and you want to know that exact thing about City. There's an answer: StatCity.co.uk. Want to find out all of the players who played alongside club legends like David Silva, Sergio Aguero, or Vincent Company? Or maybe you'd like to know which team found it hardest to score past Joe Hart. You can find out City's record in every competition, at every stadium, and under every manager. Just go to statscity.co.uk and browse away. That's statscity.co.uk. Please give us your backing. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. That was David Downey from the Blue Room Podcast. Um, going to start, uh, weirdly, with this one by uh, going back to a question that we got a few weeks ago. Um, this is Colin James on Twitter. Uh, sent us this after the Spurs game uh, and basically said, the Saturday tea time curse strikes again. Uh, he was replying to his own tweet that he sent us on the 23rd of January that said, uh, City's record in Saturday tea time games is poor. Last season, I think they dropped points in four out of seven such games. Three of our next four are Saturday tea time. Does this concern you? And we on the on the uh, we we addressed it on the show that week, and we we kind of looked at the record, and I I kind of poo pooed it a little bit because uh, I went back and had a look at um, at how City have been doing uh, this season so far. The updated record now after the Spurs game is uh, for Saturday five thirty p.m. kickoffs. It's played five one three drawn one lost one. Um, since the start of last season, though, it's played 12-1-6, drawn three, lost three. So they've only won half of the ones that they've that they played since the start of last season. Um, and City are going to Goodison on a Saturday evening. So what, what do you make of all that, Dan? <laughs> I, w- I wonder if there was an explanation for it. Like, it can't be that they're having a big lunch and feel tired in the afternoon or something, can it? <laughs> like, but I, I, I guess the scheduling of these games is that they are generally against the top teams, so that obviously makes it more difficult. Um, we played Southampton at five thirty, if I remember rightly, and, and drew. Um, but they're they're a team who are in pretty good form at the moment, or and were when they played against us. Maybe when you go into an away ground, whoever you play in, the, the home crowd are a bit more up for it, and the atmosphere is a bit more electric, and they that that has an effect on the game. Um, I don't know. It's it's weird, isn't it? Um, and I am nervous about this game at Everton, to be honest, very, very much so. And I'm sure Everton fans would say, watching us recently, you have no reason to be worried at all. What concerns me most about playing Everton, I think, is that they are, to, to borrow a Simpsons reference again, is to, uh, you know, the bit when Sideshow Bob's stepping on all the rakes <laughs> and they keep hitting him in the face. Yeah. They're, they're like that as a football club, aren't they? Even when they win a game, it usually hits them in the face and it's it's a game that they kind of don't want to win and for them to beat us and let Liverpool back in the in the title race would just be the most obvious predictable thing that has ever happened so that's my my big fear going into this game <laughs> that they're going to yeah stab themselves shoot themselves in the foot 
uh, smacked themselves in the face with a rake. Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kieran, am I all right to say that the Goodison curse is over, given City's record there under under Guardiola? Because um, I, I, it doesn't feel like I'm all right to say it, but the record speaks for itself. Played six, won five, lost one. Uh, yeah, I actually, I actually um, think that under Benitez, we probably would have struggled a lot more. Um, I mean, they're famous last words, of course, but, you know, <laughs> just I always remember in a, in a beat Benitez setup, whether he was at uh, Chelsea or um, Newcastle in recent years, he was just unbelievably defensive and said he found it really hard to play around him. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if the Goodison curse is over necessarily, but hopefully, uh, hopefully that Spurs game would just be the kick up the arse that we needed and any sort of lingering, I don't know, complacency or um, thinking that we're going to stroll to the title has kind of weaned a little bit. So maybe we can, um, maybe we can just attack the game in a, in a really solid manner. Um, but yeah, Pep's done really well against Everton, hasn't he? Um, the routine that I've always feared and always been nervous about, uh, especially that I, I live in Merseyside as well. So um, yeah, uh, hopefully the curse is over for good. Yeah, that was a that was a terrible a terrible one for a few years, wasn't it? Yeah, I just just thinking about those times. I put it to David in the uh, in the interview. There, it's, it's weird the number of times City go to go, go to Everton, uh, needing to win to keep to keep Liverpool off their backs. And Everton fans are going, "I don't really know what to do here." It's uh, like yeah. it, it happened in twenty fourteen, it happened in twenty nineteen, and now it's happening again this season, Dan. Yeah, well, we, I mean, we won those games as well, didn't we? So hopefully it'll be the same result this time around. But uh, yeah. what what do you think needs to happen? Um, is it is it simply that City need to win, or does it need a good performance as well? Oh well, I'd love to see both. Obviously, um, I think uh, we have a, we do have a habit of bouncing back really well from bad results. So I'm, I'm hoping that will be the case. I don't think it's uh, we should regard the Spurs defeat as kind of a wake up call, but I think it may just kind of sharpen the minds and and City know kind of exactly what they need to do. There's no ambiguity about it now, is there? Really, it's kind of like keep winning and uh, and everything will be okay. Drop more points and you, and you're going to be in a bit of trouble. I mean, I I do think we're gonna we're gonna drop points. Um, Again, before the end of the season, I think Liverpool will too. I don't think it's going to be one of those where we both got on some mad winning run. But if that is, uh, if that has to be the case, then then it's got to start this weekend. Because uh, if if you think last weekend's result put a whole different complexion on the title race, then then losing and uh, Liverpool obviously in the Carabao Cup final this weekend, so they'll they'll have another game in hand over us. And and psychologically, I think it's, it's the ball is going to be firmly in their court. So it's a must win game as far as yeah. I'm concerned this weekend. Yeah. yeah, Kieran, you mentioned you live in Merseyside. Do you know many Everton fans? Yeah, loads. I get, yeah, I've got really, really good friends with a lot of Everton fans. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how, how are they all feeling? Because obviously, fresh input at Everton in in Lampard is probably a little bit dangerous for City because they 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 can't really plan as well for it as they can plan for someone who you you, you can watch them and, and see what they'll do. Um, how are they all feeling that you've been that you've been speaking to about Lampard? Dead happy, really, really happy. Uh, I, I think it was an absolute disgrace what happened to Everton fans with Benitez's appointment. Um, none of them wanted him for obvious reasons to do with Liverpool, but also just he's a bit of a dinosaur now in the footballing world. And Everton fans really, really want to kick on. Um, they've got a new stadium on the way. They've got a, a kind of vision of the future and kind of leaving behind some of the some of the, the bad things that kind of associate with them. Do you know that the rakes in the face, as it were, um, and. <laughs> I, th- I think Lampard coming in, it's a, it's a manager who they wanted, young, fresh ideas, um, did okay at Chelsea, but will you know will be given a bit more freedom and, and less pressure at Everton. And yeah, they seem to be in a good place at the moment, um, which which hopefully we can um, 
we knock can them out. Destroy, <laughs> we can destroy on Saturday evening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, Dan, they've won. They've they've won their last two home games. Um, and be- the record before that was one win in the in the previous seven home games. So it feels like things are turning around. Obviously, getting something out of City is a big ask for them, but it, it does feel like it's one that we can't take our eye off, isn't it? That's a, it's a, that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, they were they were really awful away at Southampton last week, by all accounts, and, and awful uh, against Newcastle the game before that, both away from home. I think Goodison has a has a. Uh, habit of being a very hostile ground uh, where they want it to be, and 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 that could be a be a factor here. But I wouldn't say that Everton are in particularly great form going into this game. And uh, I, 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 we have a, a pretty good record against against Frank Lampard's teams in the past. So right, it's quite a small sample size, but but there it is. So I think we have plenty of reasons to be confident about about this game. But um, yeah, there, there is there is a lot of trepidation in my mind going into it. To be honest. Didn't defeat, a defeat by Lampard's Chelsea hand the league to Liverpool in 2020? Oh, don't do that. I've forgotten yeah, about that, yeah. Handing the league is, I don't know if you would call it that, because they were about 15 points clear at the time. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, yeah. yeah, I'm only messing. Yeah. Uh, now, City gets to Peterborough on Tuesday in the FA Cup fifth round, and it's a ground that won't be too familiar for most of our travelling fans. City have only been to London Road once before. That was back in 1981, and that was also the FA Cup fifth round as well. John Bond's side won 1-0, and Tommy Booth was the scorer of the only goal. I've been speaking to him to get his memories of that game. Uh, well, I've, I've, I've been in out of the side because I'd, uh, I'd had a couple of discs removed from me back so I didn't really know if I was going to play or not you know but uh, it was it was just just a matter of fact that it was uh, you know I think we were in the third, second or third division at the time and we just thought uh, you know get get down there and get get the result yeah, what uh, what what was the the mood like in the squad at, at that time? Because obviously the FA Cup, you, you didn't know that you were going to go on such a good run in the FA Cup at that point. No, I mean they're, they're, like John Sainty and uh, John Bond who were in, like they 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 came in and uh, some 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 lads didn't see eye to eye with them, like but then we went on this cup run and that that, that was uh, sort of bonded us all together and uh, we was all looking forward to uh, trying to get to to Wembley. Yeah, you you scored the winning goal at uh, at London Road. Um, yeah. What what do you remember of that goal? I remember it was uh, I was playing in midfield at the time as well, and uh, the ball it was a corner. I think the ball came across, and it was I think it was Kevin Reeves who was who had the first go at it, and it come back off uh, the backside of one of the defenders, and it come to my my foot and I just hit it, and that was it. You know, in the back of the net, and that was uh, you know game over. You know, so we take that any time. Yeah, well, was it a tough game? Um, because I mean, you think of of uh, playing teams from different divisions in the FA Cup, it, it it gets hard when you go away to these grounds like that, doesn't it? Cool. No, yeah, of course it does. I mean, you've got nothing to lose, like, and especially when they're at home as well, like, and you you you're under pressure to get the result because you you're obviously favourites and uh, hell of a lot of things to, to to think about, and you're just just glad to get 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 away from the ground with a win. Yeah, what uh, what what was what was it like uh, when the final whistle went? Oh yeah, it was great. I mean, we we, we celebrated and then uh, we obviously went straight back to uh, Manchester on the coach, and uh, me and a few of the lads went out for a few beers and and we never we, we went into Manchester and we never we never bought a beer anywhere because all the city lads who had been to the game, city fans, had, had obviously come back early. Before us, got back before us, 
And then we're chanting our names out and they said they wouldn't let us buy a drink at all. <laughs> so it was a good good day all around. Yeah, yeah. That obviously that uh, that that run ended with the the FA Cup final against Spurs. Um, what 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 are your memories of that FA Cup run? Well, we we, we just did it, did, did the run itself, like, and then uh, I mean, I got I got injured for the semi final and didn't play in the semi final, and then we go down to the final and uh, John Bond told me the day before, and I was sat with Joe Cottage, and as we were going down, I was playing, and I said, "Oh right, that's great," you know, and uh, but when we got the next day when we woke up, we had a pre-match meal. He read the team out and I looked at Joe Corrigan and my name wasn't on it. And I just couldn't believe it. I mean, the night before he told me I was playing and then uh, <laughs> didn't even didn't even say anything to me. So, and that's, uh, I left I left the club then. I, I walked out and uh, went straight to the train station and uh, got a train back home. And as I was going, as I was going into the train station, there was fans coming down, they were coming to see us, and they were saying, "I'm sure that's Tommy being over there. He can't be." <laughs> and they were coming on and just said, "I like you, yeah, no, that's a long story." And I, 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 I you know, but when the day before he, he tells you, you you're playing, and I saw rung all the family, and all the family were coming down, and then three hours before kickoff, he decides to change it, so. And that was the, that was a part of the ways then with it. Check out exclusive city interviews on our website, bluemoonpodcast.com. That was Tommy Booth talking to me about City's last trip to Peterborough. Uh, let's bring in Tim Studley from the Peterborough United podcast, The Yellow Block. Hi, Tim. Hello, buddy. How are we doing? Uh, not too bad, thanks. Um, I was going to ask how you're doing, but it's, uh, it's the, the outlook doesn't feel great at the moment. Second bottom of the championship, no manager, one win in 18. Um, how, how are things? <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you know, it's been a, I mean, it's a it's a fun old time to be a posh fan. Um, we, we have actually announced the manager this morning, so Grant McCann's come in. Um, we seem to only do things at, at, at Peterborough where we rehire managers that we've previously sacked. That seems <laughs> to be our, uh, our way of working. So Grant McCann's back in for his second stint. Um, um, you know what? We, we did okay last night uh, away at, at Fulham on um, on Wednesday evening, and it's you know it, it, we're, we're in that position now. I think most of the fan base have accepted that we're, we're as good as down, so we're kind of just enjoying it. And I think the the players have taken that stance. So performances have actually improved. Um, you know, we're still travelling well support wise, so it's not as doom and gloom as perhaps the table would suggest. It, it has been a disappointing season, of course, but you know on on the on the scale of the championship, we're, we're kind of just enjoying the ride now as much as we can. Yeah, how how do you feel about the uh, about the new manager? Is it a good appointment or? It's the most Peterborough United appointment possible, I think. <laughs> hiring uh, somebody that you've sacked just a few years ago. Um, it's yeah. I mean, I mean, Grant's a good manager. He, he's he's done okay since he left us. Um, obviously, we kind of offered him his first sort of foray into management, and he's done okay since then. Um, most recently at Hull, I know that the Hull fans didn't uh, sort of speak too highly of him, and, and he lost his job when the new owners came in there. But he's okay. I mean, there's a, a bit of a charm, I guess, in that we don't really know what to expect in terms of how he's developed as a manager and, and his playing style. So um, it's it's almost it's almost like a, a new manager in in that respect. So um, how he'll do with this squad that he's inherited, I'm not sure. Um, but I think cautiously optimistic is is probably where we're at in terms of the manager. 
Yeah, so he'll be he'll be in place, I guess, for the City game because he'll be in place for the weekend, will he? Yeah, that's right. So he was at the the Fulham game last night, uh, just in the stands. Um, it was kind of the worst kept secret um, in the in the Championship. Really, everybody knew he had the job, um, apart from it seemed the betting companies who kept the betting open right up until it was announced this morning. So I'm sure a few people uh, cleaned up there. <laughs> it's. Um, it's he'll be he's he's been announced today, so he'll be in charge. Ironically, against Hull at the weekend, so he gets to um, gets to have a, a bite at his old club. Um, and yeah, then he's uh, obviously we've got the the game against City to look forward to. Yeah, how's how's that been received in uh, in Peterborough? Because I saw, I mean, I saw there was there's a kind of rush for tickets online, wasn't there? Well, to be honest with you, we were kind of hoping for a tougher tie. Um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's, you know, for, for, for a club like Posh, it's, it's, you know, we, we traditionally we don't get good draws, and I know probably lots of clubs say that, but we normally end up with mid-table championship teams or teams in our division. So it's very nice for us to play. Well, there's no argument really it's you know the best team in the country and therefore by default probably one of the best in the world just now so um for us it's a great experience as you know as fans and and for the the players particularly um was quite surprised that, that Darren Ferguson resigned before the City game um you know his mind had been made up for a couple of weeks that he wanted to leave as manager but if I'm a manager, I'm thinking, well, I'll hold on to the City game because that's, you know, it's it's, it's what you, you get into the game for those big games. So I was I was kind of surprised in that respect. But no, I mean, there's a real buzz around the club with the tie. Uh, but like you said, a real clamour for tickets. Um, there'll be lots of non-Peterborough fans that will go to that game to follow Peterborough. So that will be, you know, that will hopefully bring in a new uh, a new sort of generation of fans as well. So um, frustratingly, though, we have decided to produce half and half scarves for this game, which is, um, <laughs> yes. has slightly uh, slightly lost some of the fan base. But, you know, from an economic point of view, I suppose it uh, it makes sense to cash in on, on perhaps some of those newer fans that are more willing to buy them. Yeah, I was gonna, can you have a half and half scarf for a rivalry that's it that exists over one game that over one previous meeting? I don't know if that exactly. Don't know if it worked yeah, that, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think it's just it's simply the fact it's City. Um, but the the other kind of amusing um, side with the merchandise is they they produce the um, the the program this souvenir program a couple of weeks ago. That's how excited we are about the tie. And uh, on the front cover was Guardiola facing one way, and then Darren Ferguson facing against him the other. And of course, <laughs> he's no longer the manager, so people that are bought that sort of memento and now finding themselves uh, already with the the wrong um, staff on the front but slightly <laughs> yeah. amusing and probably sums up posh at the moment if I'm honest but um yeah no we're, we're buzzing for this you know we go into it with obviously with, with no real expectations we're fully expecting um you know you guys to to bring it's not going to be your strongest side when you look at the city fixtures and where that game's kind of wedged in between so um but ultimately, even your second or third team is, is going to contain household names that you know will have heard of. So for us, it's our, our big day ultimately, and and it is very much you know David and Goliath, small versus big, and um, you know it's, it's it's just something that we'll we'll savor and enjoy, hopefully. Yeah, Dan, it's it, it's interesting um, because when you look back at, at, at the previous round for City, we knew that the get that the tie against Fulham Guardiola would go strong because of, of having the break in the build up to it, and you know he wants him to get rhythm back into the players. Could you see it being similar for this? He wants to keep the rhythm in the players, and actually we could be getting a stronger team than than many people expect. I would imagine it would be be the opposite because that Fulham game came off the back of that weird little international break, didn't it? And, and like you say, they needed they needed some rhythm. Whereas I think this is one of the, the 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 last opportunities we'll get this season to actually rest a few players. And I would I would like to see Guardiola kind of you know play, 
Well, a team that, that is very respectful to the to the fixture and, and to the opposition, but kind of rests some of the more important players, the kind of spine of the team. You know, players like Rodri, De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, maybe um, players who we, who we really don't want to get injured. You know, I want to win the FA Cup this season, and, and I would like to get past Peterborough. But if it comes at the expense of us losing Kevin De Bruyne for two months because he does his his knee in or something, then it, it, it's ultimately not worth it, is it? So, yeah, I, I would I would imagine a strong team that he'll pick. It will be it'll be players who who perhaps didn't start against Everton this weekend we'll, we'll get the chance to start and, and maybe a sprinkling of youngsters the likes of McAtee and Delap, maybe but um, yeah I don't think I think it's quite a different situation to that Fulham game So then here's a question for you two what do you know about Harry's? Dan, anything? No, no please enlighten me <laughs> Kieran, anything at all? Uh, I think it's a razor blade company set up to combat any like more expensive razor blade companies as far as I'm aware and it's got a dead comfortable handle I thought you were going to say uh, combat uh, anti-razor agendas there. For <laughs> <laughs> if that's yeah. their game, David, I'm all for them. <laughs> uh, well, not bad. Uh, they're more than just a super sharp razor company, though. Harry's can revamp your whole routine from close shaves and flake-free hair all the way to clear, healthy skin. Harry's helps guys feel good. They're sponsoring this episode of the Blue Moon Podcast, and you can help the show out and give yourself some lovely goodies with their free trial set. In it, you'll get an expertly engineered weighted handle, one five-blade car cartridge complete with precision trimmer a handy foaming shave gel a travel blade cover and you'll also get a free travel sized shower gel so kieran you weren't far off there you've got you got the uh, you got the weighted handle but brilliant yeah i believe you've used it in pass uh, i have yes um and if the listeners can stomach the thought of me in the shower then um <laughs> i have used the, uh, the the shower gel and stuff like that the handle uh, for the for the for the razors and stuff the handle makes it easy to shave it's uh, the gel is um the, the gel's really smooth as well it's it gives you a real close shave um the shower gel it just like it's it, it's it was like the best way i can describe it is like staying in a posh hotel while at home it was, uh, it was, you know, those little bottles of, of posh shampoo and shower gel you get. It was like a, a, a bigger one of those. Um, yeah, the ones you always steal, yeah. Yeah, the ones that you always want to take <laughs> home. Well, that's what this was. Um, while you might think of shaving when it comes to Harry's, there is a lot more to them. The shower gels, face wash and skincare products can be added to shave plans anytime, anywhere. Cleansing and exfoliating before you shave increases the chances of cleaner results. And the Harry's products are formulated with 0% sulfates, parabens or dyes, and they're alcohol-free as well. You can get a trial set and shower gel and support the blue moon podcast as well just go to harrys.com forward slash moon that's m-o-o-n and cover the postage costs of three pounds 95 start a shave plan and your freebie will be added at the checkout that's harrys.com forward slash moon Kieran, I was going to ask about the youngsters because uh, McAtee and Delap are the two that I think a lot of City fans want to see, and, it, and it's it's currently it's currently struck me that I completely forgot to include Cole Palmer in my thought process there. So I don't know if I consider him a youngster anymore, even though he clearly is. Yeah, he's been <laughs> injured though, hasn't he? So he's been out of contention for a couple of the the last games. I don't know if he's back fit for this one, but yeah, uh, it was quite sad actually after his performance in the Champions League uh, and the goal that he got that he sort of hasn't been seen since, has he? Um, was Swindon his last game? Maybe is that yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would love to see. Yeah, I would love to see a few youngsters get a go. Um, but at the same time, I really want to, as Dan says, kind of respect the opposition, and I want players who are more senior to get a bit of rhythm as well. Like so, um, I'd like to see Stones get a run out, or Ake, um, Zinchenko, um, players like that. But at the same time, it would be really nice to see what this McAtee's capable of, particularly after he just signed this new contract. 
Yeah, especially from the start as well. It's it's a different yeah. thing, isn't it, when they when they're in from the start rather than mm-hmm. from uh, coming on for the the final ten fifteen minutes. Yeah, so. that'd be a massive vote of confidence for him from Pep, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Tim, I'm interested. Like, let's let, let's let's dream big here. Let's say that that Peterborough pull off the shock. Um, who are the players that do it? Uh, your guess is as good as mine this season, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, last, last night was the uh, the first goal we'd scored in over 500 minutes of, of football. So, I mean, th- this is the the thing really for for Peterborough this season. We've lost our identity. Um, we, you know, we've had cracks at the championship before, and we've always been an entertaining team. You score three, we'll score four. That kind of mentality, and it's often been our downfall. Whereas this season, we've we've very much lost that identity, and we've started to try and set up more defensively, which just isn't our way. And, and unfortunately, we don't have the, the squad to be able to pull that off. So in terms of individual players to watch for, it's, it's slightly harder to pick this year because we don't have those those kind of star names that are your first names on the team sheet. Um, I guess Jack Marriott up front um, on, on his day is very pacey. Um, he can cause issues uh, if he's if he's on form, but he's, he's come back from a, a long injury and, and the last few years have been quite injury hit. So there's still an element of unknown. Um, Sammy Smodix, who um, very much likes the big occasion, he will be really, really up for that game and, and can can absolutely hurt teams. So he's another one to watch. Um, generally sort of plays more out wide or, or in behind the, the front men. But they're all capable of producing big moments and certainly some of the, the, the forward players. Unfortunately, we just haven't seen it uh, this much, so much this season. So if we're dreaming big, I'm probably looking at three or four own goals at the moment. If <laughs> um, what's, uh, what's London Road like for away fans? Good. It's okay. I mean, it's it's you know we've got a it's an odd little ground. If I'm honest, we're we're looking at moving in the next couple of years. Um, we've got a, a brand new state uh, stand, sorry, which the uh, city fans will be housed in. So you've got um, the best, I guess, of the the, the four uh, four stands. Um, the atmosphere is is pretty good. Um, the the city fans will be, be behind one goal. Our kind of noisiest fans, if you like, are behind the other goal. And because that's a terrace uh, opposite the the city fans, uh, the roof is sloped so it tends to keep a lot of the noise in so where the city fans are it will probably seem quite quiet but actually if you're at the other end of the ground it's quite noisy so it's a, it's a weird little ground in that respect um, but you'll find the facility is pretty good as I say it's a brand new stand um, it's only I think five six years old although you lose track of time it's probably older than that now but um, <laughs> it's you, you've got the best of the four ultimately so um, I would hope you'll have a good day. Yeah. Uh, right, so let's get some predictions on the board. The charity bet total for the season so far is at £1,230. Two chances to add to that for this week. We're raising money for the Man City Fans Food Bank support. They're collecting donations for the Trussell Trust in Manchester. William Hill is giving each of us a £10 correct score single on City's games. Uh, we'll start with the Premier League game against Everton. We heard uh, in uh, the show a bit earlier on that David Downey's going for a 3-1 City win. That's 10 to 1 and £100 if he's right. Dan, what are you having for this one? I'm going to go for a nervy 2-1 win for City. Nervy 2-1 is 17-2 and £85. Kieran? Uh, back to a clean sheet, hopefully, and more control in the game, 2-0. 2-0 City is uh, 11-2 and £55 if you're right. That brings us on to the big FA Cup tie. Um, without uh, trying to offend our guest here, Kieran, what are you going for? <laughs> Sorry, Tim. Uh, 4-0. <laughs> 4-0 City win. Uh, that's 15-2 and £75 if you're right, Dan. Even sorrier, Tim, 5 0 to City. <laughs> uh, that's 12 to 1 and £120 if you're right, Tim. It's your time to shine, mate. 
Yeah, well, I mean, look, it's magic of the cup, isn't it? On TV, the, the Peterborough players will be up for it. The ground, no, who am I kidding? I can't see it, it realistically <laughs> playing out. But I mean, you never do know in, in football, particularly cup football. I'm very conscious of the fact that with Liverpool starting to make moves, the pressure will start to ramp up a little bit on City. And I'm hoping that will work in our favour, especially wedged in between the games that that, that game is. So I am going to predict a posh win. I've got who. I'd be wrong of me to come in here and not. Um, I'm thinking 4-3, 92nd minute winner to send <laughs> all 15,000 posh fans into absolute raptures. In, in many ways, Tim, if it happens, uh, if City are to be knocked out of the competition this season, that's how I would like it to happen uh, yeah. because uh, we've got 200 to 1 on that one. Uh, oh, so we'll, we'll add two grand to the pot if you're right. Um, so uh, yeah, fingers crossed that if City are going to go out in this side, that's how it happens. Are uh, they the longest odds you've ever had? They are the they are the longest odds we've ever had, and it would be comfortably our biggest win if it happens. So oh, fingers um, crossed. I am yeah. genuinely, genuinely at this at this stage, a little bit tempted to chuck a quid on it myself, just in case, you know, just in case at that point. Now, um, remember, you've got to be eighteen or over to gamble. Prices can change, and for more information on gambling responsibly, take a look at begambleaware.org. Uh, Tim, just before we go, um, I've had a little bit of a troll back through uh, Peterborough squads, um, and just lo- just looking for players that had played for both. I just want to get your memories because the, the 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 very the, the the last player that has played for both City and Peterborough uh, was Stuart Taylor. Um, six starts for Peterborough in uh, 2001, and uh, he made one start for City in January 2009. Do you, do you, like, have you got any concept of what Stuart Taylor was like at Posh? Do you remember him at all? No, you, you literally could have just made that name up. For, <laughs> all when was that? 2001, did you yeah, say? Yeah, 2001. February 2001. You had him on loan from Arsenal. Uh, no. Uh, okay, got, right. No, so, no, so, no so recollection. <laughs> no recollection. How about if I said the name Tony Scully? Does that mean anything to you? No, you're going back even further there, are you, with Tony uh, Scully? No, actually, he's, uh, he's a bit nearer. He uh, he made no starts for Peterborough, but he did come off the bench three times back in April 2003. Um, he was, no, uh, yeah. It kind of shows the difference, perhaps, between the two clubs, the fact that there's not too much in the way of um, players that have played for both. But I don't know, perhaps you could send a couple our way on loan. We can maybe change that, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you've got a few that we could have. So. Yeah, what do yeah. you mean you don't remember Manchester City legend Tony Scully? Everyone knows him. <laughs> yeah, it's what it is. <laughs> I, I was going to say, Dan, uh, one start for City, eight sub appearances, no goals between August and December 97. Uh, it's, like, it's not an illustrious career, is it? <laughs> No, no, no. I, the only Scully I know is the one who's one half of uh, Mulder and Scully from the X Files. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's weird okay. though, isn't it? It's weird though because you you do as a as a League One team, which is basically what we are, occasionally dipping our toes in the Championship. You develop you develop these relationships with certain clubs, and you, you know you'll often take players on loans from certain clubs. If I'm honest, I think the reason that we've never really um certainly in our sort of most modern history never really had much of a relationship with city is because our manager was of course the son of um <laughs> alex ferguson for so long so it's highly unlikely that we would have ever formed that sort of relationship we, we had a few united players on loan um kind of you know calling in favors from his old man but um yeah no we city's just one club with a we don't really seem to have that much history with, but well, I've, well I've that got, changes. I've got my ace card here ready to go, so maybe this is the one that does it because <laughs> okay. uh, he made he made eighty six starts for Peterborough, uh, thirteen sub appearances. He scored five goals between March two thousand and August two thousand and two uh, for City. He uh, he scored in a Manchester derby. He made 20 starts, 10 sub appearances, nine goals between March eighty nine and January nineteen ninety. It was uh, David Oldfield. Ah. Oh. Now that does because the thing is as well he he went on to join the coaching team 
um, at the club. So yeah, absolute. Um, well, legend's probably a stretch, but um, certainly <laughs> somebody that's familiar with um, is, a, is a posh household name. I would probably say. I didn't realize he, he played for for City as well. That's um, yeah. He was uh, he was part of the team that uh, that won the Main Road Massacre. Dan, that was uh, that was the last derby that was uh, that that really happened before me and you were going to games. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the only uh, sort of recollection I have of, of David Oldfield as a City player. Was, was he Australian? Uh, from New Zealand, I think. I'm getting that completely wrong. New might Zealand, be, that's might it. be New yeah, Zealand, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah don't know where I, don't know where yeah. I dug that from. That was a that was a <laughs> real yeah. As a pub quiz question, if ever there was one, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, finally, that, answer. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, finally, this is this is uh, the last player that moved directly between the two clubs. It happened in uh, in 2002-3 season. Uh, Brian Murphy, the goalkeeper. Made no appearances for City at all in his career. Made one appearance for Peterborough. There you go, Tim. Yeah, one, yeah, one direct link between City and Peterborough that I could doesn't find. ring a bell. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that, that changes, doesn't it, um, next week when, like I say, we turn you over um, in the Cup. So, But no, there, there is a real lack of um, connection between the two clubs. I can, only, I can only put that down to the fact that we've got that Ferguson connection, if I'm honest. Because mm. um, most clubs, we've, we've taken players off you know, on loan. Most of the, the, the premiership teams I could reel off players that we've loaned from apart from City. So um, we need to change that. I'll have a yeah. word with Pep next time you speak to him. Yeah, I'll, have a, I'll, I'll put a word in for you. No worries. Yeah, uh, nice one. Tim, uh, Sorry, David, I have to correct you. Uh, David Oldfield was Australian. I, I oh, dare say he still is, in fact. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> there we go. There we go. So, so we can't all be perfect, you know. We can't all, can't all get everything right all the time. Just, uh, just the way it is. Um, Tim Studley from the Peterborough United podcast, The Yellow Block. Thank you very much. No worries. Cheers, fellas. Thank you. Tim Studley from the Yellow Block podcast. Uh, we're going to finish with uh, some listener questions. Get in touch for next week on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. You can email through the website as well, bluemoonpodcast.com. Uh, we start on Twitter. Joe Maloney says, uh, why is Pep not inclined to change it up when City are behind or even maybe drawing? He doesn't seem to have a plan B and use the full complement of his subs. Uh, and with that tweet, he attached a screenshot of the lineup from Spurs showing only one sub, Mares for Sterling on the 68th minute. Um... Dan, is that? Do you think that's fair? First off, because I, I, I just wonder if, if City's plan A is, if City's plan B is, is pump it into the box. Well, like, there's not really a lot more he can do, is there? No, I, I mean, as a, as a general rule, I, I agree with Joe. I think uh, Guardiola is sometimes a little bit slow to change games and, and bring players on uh, slower than I would like, anyway. But I mean, there was a point in this game where I was thinking. Is he going to maybe throw Liam Delap on someone who might get on the on the end of a few chances, or uh, you know, provide a bit of aerial threat in the box? Um, but I think he is kind of reluctant to throw young players in at the deep end in games like that when he when he relies on his more experienced pros. And then you look at the the options available to him. It was only really Mares that he could bring off the bench at the weekend mm-hmm. to change the game. There's you know you've got Stones, Ake, Zinchenko, Fernandinho, Carson, Delap, Makatee, Lavia. There's not a lot there apart from the young lads. That- you would say put him on and he'll he'll have an influence on the attack really that and I think generally with City there isn't an awful lot of wiggle room in this squad for all the talk of it of us having this amazing deep squad especially since Ferran Torres has, has left and not been replaced immediately I don't think that, that there is you know much by way of options for Pep at times whereas you know you compare that to Liverpool and their game against Leeds in midweek they had nine internationals on the bench none of them were young players they were all you know players that they, they've signed for the club um and they, I think they have a bit of a deeper squad than, than we do. And that, that's a bit of a popular misconception that City have the best squad in the league because, all right, we've, we've got the most expensive squad in the league, but that doesn't necessarily translate to having, having bodies in the building. So, yeah, yeah I, I think 
I've been broadly supportive of the transfer policy so far of letting Torres go and not replace him immediately. But if we win nothing at the end of the season, you might point to that and say, was that a mistake? Yeah, I mean, Kieran, there's there's always a clamour for Guardiola to use the bench more than, than he does. Because you see it on Twitter all the time, you know, is the, the game's not going brilliant well and he, he won't make a sub. And then you think, well, actually, as Dan's just said, there's uh, most of his subs are either defensive players or youngsters. You can kind of see why, can't you? Yeah, uh, uh, he's he's a, quite a stubborn man who's got this embedded uh, dogmatic philosophy, and he doesn't always like to break away from it. But sometimes, you know, if you trust in him and trust his process, normally it does pay dividends. Um, I mean, Grealish is injured. Jesus, I think, is just coming back from injury, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, so Palmer before being injured as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if he looks to the bench and goes, right, which which of my experienced players can I bring on? Um, who would influence and change and shape the game. Uh, well, you know, there was nobody really there to do it. In fact, I mean, the one sub that he did make, Mares scored, scored the equalising goal. Um, and, by the way, has turned into an unbelievable penalty taker lately, hasn't he? <laughs> I know. Um, I, well, yeah. I, I saw this. They, they, like, he, he missed for Algeria. Um, and uh, there was a graphic recently when, uh, when, the, when it came up on the, when the penalty was given that he had a miss down at the bottom right corner. Um, and I was like, that's that's got to be the Algeria one because the the only penalty he's ever missed for City was against Liverpool back in in his first season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we we don't like thinking about that again, do we? Uh, it turned out all right in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it did. Um, but yeah, I mean, the one sub that he made, you know, influenced the game massively. So I suppose I, I completely take Joe's point in the quest. Uh, and sometimes you wish he would be a little bit more proactive but he just trusts in what he sees out there and knows that if we keep turning the screw and turning the screw and turning the screw then something will happen from it the worst thing is just when it is repetitively kind of thinking and lofting balls into the box hoping that somebody's going to get onto it when all our players are five foot nothing you know um (laughs) so so maybe maybe Dilap coming on would have been an idea but yeah I think Dan Dan summed it up nicely didn't he throwing players throwing young players in at the deep end in an act of desperation I think he's a bit too proud for it and I mean we we nearly scraped a point on Saturday it was just it was just one of those freak things um but you know, hopefully when we bet in these youngsters a bit more, there'll be more trust in them and then our bench will suddenly go from being inexperienced and, and too young uh, to being worthy players who we can call on. I mean, just look what happened to Foden and yeah. look how we feel about Palmer already. So, Yeah. Dan, just final question for the show. Uh, obviously, Kieran mentioned it there. You mentioned it earlier about chucking Delap on uh, for the Spurs game. It, it would be... I, I, I do find it interesting his reluctance to do that on the on the back of of like okay the goal was disallowed but he, he showed what he could do against Fulham when he when he got in position and, and got the ball in the net. Um, I know he chucked him on in that Leicester game that we mentioned earlier the five two defeat but you know he hit the bar in that game and there was there, there were mm. moments where he thinking if he's, he's he's really like for a kid he's got a real presence in the box it could have been the the different element couldn't it. Yeah, it could. There has to come a point where you have to put a little bit of trust and take a bit of a leap of, leap of faith in these youngsters. And, and I think that would have been an opportunity to do so. Guardiola will know why he didn't do that. And, and I'm sure he has a pretty good reason. And who are we to doubt him, really? But um, what I do doubt about his his uh, subs in this game was the decision to take Sterling off. I wasn't too mm. sure about that at the time. And I'm still not sure that was the right choice. Now, I don't know whether maybe Sterling was uh, flagging a little bit or a little bit injured or, or something like that. But I mean, starting with the with Bernardo, 
Gundogan and De Bruyne all on the pitch, I thought was quite interesting and I didn't think it really worked very well. I don't know if he's going to go back to that at any point. I think yeah, it has to be two of those three. I agree, and, yeah. Uh, totally. and, and then a, a bit more dynamism up front and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what his, uh, his team selection is at, at the weekend and, and uh, go from there. Yeah. Right, well, that brings us to an end for this week's Blue Moon Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed it, please go and give it a rating and a review in all the usual places, but especially on Apple Podcasts if you can. Uh, thanks also to my guests, Kieran Murray. Cheers, Blue. And Dan Burke. Thank you. Uh, don't forget, we've got a bonus podcast every Monday for Patreon backers. This week was an episode of The Games That Made Me Think Desert Island Discs, but guests picking their formative city matches instead of music. Murd was my guest for this one. Here's a short clip. I remember the first game, so my brother saying to me, because he didn't go to the first game, he said, oh, we'll play again now next week because it was a draw. I remember at the end of this game, I was eight, and I said to my dad, I said, when do we play again? And he went, no, that's it, Spurs have been cut. <laughs> and I remember walking out the room, going to sit at the top of the stairs and sobbing my heart out, thinking, well, this wasn't supposed to happen because <laughs> I support a really good team because they've won all the games and I've seen the games on Match of the Day and we're in the cup final and the cup final was ginormous. I know it's a cliche, but it was massive back in the early 80s. Uh, and I remember it vividly because it gave me a real sense of, right, this is your first shot of disappointment and you're eight and... I thought, well, I didn't know at the time whether I'd need to handle disappointment or not. I just thought <laughs> it, it took me some time to get over it. But but I remember it being a, a gorgeous hot summer's evening. I remember Steve McKenzie's goal. I remember Ricky V's goal. And uh, even when he scored, I thought, oh, we'll, we'll score again because that's how it works. That's how football works. And then we'll lift the cup. I was obsessed. And when my dad said, oh, no, Spurs have won, that's it. I was just crestfallen. Yeah. So I remember it. I can remember being sat at the stairs now. My mum and dad still live at that house. I can remember it to this day. I couldn't watch Spurs lift the trophy at all. That was a clip from this week's Patreon bonus show. It's available to listen to now. All you have to do is sign up to our £2 per month tier and you'll get four or five extra podcasts for your money each month out every Monday. You also get this show every week completely ad-free. For details or to sign up, just head over to patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. I'll be back next week to review the games with Everton and Peterborough and look ahead to the coming Manchester derby. So I'll see you then. was the blue moon podcast please support the show patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast